Hello everyone, we're back with the Stiff Upper Lip Podcast and as you'll notice the audio levels should all be perfectly fine this week. We are not streaming on Twitch right now. I'm Tom and I've been joined by my incumbent co-host Sam Longdon. How are you doing? How bad can it be? Exactly. How how bad can it be when you're living up there on the on the clouds of three and one? And meanwhile, I've got my other co-host, Max Saito. How are you doing, Max? Yeah, I'm not doing too badly actually. Can you, you guys can't hear any like keyboard tapping or anything on my end? Can you? Uh, no, actually, surprisingly uh, not. We're all uh, we're the all... wonders of microphone filtering. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I hope everyone had a wonderful week four. Uh, it certainly was an interesting week of, of NFL action. Not quite as sort of hectic as the first three weeks, but still interesting I mean, nevertheless. A, yeah, there was a fairly definitive line of half-decent games and just absolute garbage. Yes, yes, there was. Um, and you'll find out uh, that later, well, that this episode will probably fly by a lot quicker, hopefully, fingers crossed, than the other two. Although we know how that usually turns out, and this will actually be our longest recording of the uh, of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we're going to start with, uh, with Thursday Night Football, where the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Dolphins 27-15 to in the jungle. But the main story of this game isn't the actual outcome of the game itself, but more that Tua Tungavailoa, who last week picked up well, what, what we all thought was a pretty scary-looking concussion after a head hit off the turf. He came back out and finished the game against Buffalo. The NFL put an independent neurology, uh, well, neurologist on to check his concussion that passed the protocol. Turns out that doctor is now fired because he did have a concussion or at the very least should not have been allowed to get back out there in the concussion protocol due to loopholes that were found last week by the independent guy. And then he ta- he takes another hard hit today in this game. And oh man, it is... It is scary scenes out there. He was rushed to hospital. He's apparently okay again, which is the good news, but scary stuff. Easily preventable as well, might I add. Mm. Yeah, firstly, very distressing to me that you keep saying today for a game that happened five days ago. I know. I can't can't Um, help it. It's just a thing. But, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get on to the rest of the games soon obviously but the difference I hope so <laughs> <laughs> well the the difference post the the firing of the independent um physician that did the evaluation on tour it was kind of initiated by the players association that has uh, kind of scared the league to a degree that if a if a player went out this like this week with a, a possible concussion, they stayed out. <laughs> yeah, they. Like, it it was it was the sort of almost the straw that broke the camel's back when it came to the NFL really harping into its mm-hmm. its 
concussion protocols and and with good reason to be honest if there's a loophole that an independent doctor can can swindle his way through to get a guy back out there and then he plays three days later that that is not a that is not a watertight concussion protocol especially when we're dealing with something as serious as a head injury yeah i mean it is it's interesting like andrew whitworth in the in some pre-show for one of the games last weekend was saying that he's done you know things before to like get his way around a concussion protocol when he wants to stay on the field and had to get like reported by his teammates you know or medical issues to actually you know get pulled off so like as loopholes for players if a doctor wants to interpret results of a concussion like test a certain way to you know maybe or maybe not get some kind of financial boon from an unnamed team that has shady morals then you know there are plenty of options (laughs) it's totally absurd like like i mean i'm not here to carry water for the league obviously the league have oversight over this but if you hire a qualified physician to take care of of your players you, you kind of it's almost naive perhaps on their part but you, you would hope that they would do their job you know you would hope that someone who's there to care for the players wouldn't be able to be swung into putting them at massive risk for a you know just because they've been told to or because there's money on the table and the fact that he was like it was the firing was also for being hostile to the investigation right it yeah. just makes me think, like, what the bloody hell is going on over there? Like, <laughs> maybe it's just like a Yank thing. I don't know what yeah. their doctors are like, but it's just maybe you needed to like crazy to think about remortgage the beach house. I don't know. Shit, capitalism makes fraudulent medical investigators of us all. Yeah. Uh, on a footballing side of this game, then. <laughs> <laughs> We were about to talk about it for a while, but uh, it'll be it'll be very relieving for Cincinnati to be able to get a win back under their belts. Um, two in a row now, two and two on the year. Um, got a great day out of T Higgins, who was actually able to stay on the field for the full game after taking like three of the worst looking hits in three or two of the worst looking hits in. Th- three games basically he was finally able to make his difference and and it really it really paid off for them joe burrow throwing two touchdowns as well on the day um the dolphins will be rolling with teddy bridgewater going forward which is mm. right to be doing so because um Tua got concussed and we wish him all of the best um this game was a very Teddy Bridgewater performance, I thought, to be honest. It wasn't that bad. By the yeah. way, the Dolphins have scored... Obviously, they scored 42. Okay, I guess with the Tua stuff, it's kind of hard to compare, but they scored, obviously, 42 in that Ravens game, and everyone lost their minds, but they haven't scored more than 21 points in any of their four games this year. Like, I'm kind of on this now, like, <laughs> my new like my new AFC North team, who I'm skeptical of, is really the Dolphins. Like I thought, Mike McDaniel got so much credit after that Ravens game for 
his team scoring all the points and getting all the yards after his game plan went out of the window. That really riled me up. There's something about that I just did not like. And the Dolphins kind of, after that Bills game, they were so pleased with themselves. They were so full of themselves. I, I kind of think that losing a game to a team like the Bengals, I mean, even with two in there, they weren't pulling away or anything. I think it is kind of maybe a bit of a reality check for them. I think they're good. I think they'll be a playoff team, but I don't think they're going to be the number one seed in the AFC. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I, I'd I'd heavily go along with that. Um, who would be your pick for number one seed in the AFC after four weeks? Probably the Bills or the Chiefs, like same same as it ever was. Yeah. Um, the Bills, the Chiefs, or well, it's not going to be anyone in the AFC South. It's not going to be anyone else in the AFC North. Yeah, no, yeah, no. It'll be the Bills <laughs> or the Chiefs. Um, maybe the Ravens will be there. Yeah. Or no doubts, but no I Ravens. Don't They've got the Ravens have a lot to figure out for me still. Well, yeah, we'll get to it. Yeah, I mean the 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 Bengals just. I mean, obviously, I think at this point, no one is thinking of them as like a you know pushing for the AFC title again. But the like, what has been up with the run game? I know the the offensive line is you know worsened. Yeah, <laughs> but. Like, I mean, this was, I think this was about Joe Mixon's best performance of the season, and he was averaging, like, average, like, two, uh, it was less than two and a half yards per carry. There's quite a lot of teams out there who are just, like, I mean, in the first month, there's basically, like, an extended preseason these days, isn't it? And I think a lot of teams that are figuring a lot out about their strengths and their weaknesses and, and what they run well. And, and while you're doing that, you just have to lean on your best players to try and carry you through. And I think the the Bengals' best players are T. Higgins and, and Jamar Chase, and they just want to get the ball in their hands. Um, there, there's a few other teams in the league who are sort of doing the same thing at the moment, but I think they've got the talent to sort it out eventually. It's just like, you know, <laughs> that offensive line's not better, is it? Yeah, it's it's going to be the exact same... Like it's it's worse. It's like definitively worse than last season. And uh, where's that? Where's that gonna get them? He's. I think he's taken like the third most sacks in the league so far. Yeah, like, the, the fourth most. Oh, no, no, no it is third. Yeah, yeah, tied for second with Matt Stafford, and then Carson Wentz is is leading the league. Which I'd say, if you were to name the three worst offensive lines coming into this season those three would probably be like well based off of what i've seen through the first four weeks anyway because um yeah those those three teams have have all played about as porous they've they've all got turnstiles basically um the the sort of the thing that still worries me and it's been it's been three years now that it's been a concern for me is is I like watching Joe Burrow play, but Joe Burrow still, to me, feels like he's going to end up Andrew Lucked. And it's not even like the Bengals haven't spent money on the O-line this year, because they did. They meant, they spent a lot of money on bringing Lyle Collins to the team. Yeah, they're, they're just really fucking bad at it. Yeah, they, I don't know who their O-line coach is this year, but um, if there's no market improvement by the end of the year, which I, I would imagine that there should be, but when you're starting out like second worst O line in the whole league to 
maybe middling in the of the road. That's still an improvement, but not enough. Yeah. I think he should be the first name on the chopping block from Cincinnati. I mean, if, if he can like coach this O line to to perform at an an average level, like I think that is all they need. Well, yeah, exactly. But right now they're getting sub Joseph Notebound well, yeah. performances out of. <laughs> Um, so yeah anything else for for this game or are we moving on to the Sunday slate not a jot Tua is confirmed out for week 5 by the way yeah that's what I meant about like they're rolling with Teddy steady Teddy let's see how he does Um, alright we had the very first London game of the season and we actually had a couple of the hosts going there the Minnesota Vikings, 28 to 25 winners against the New Orleans Saints. We got the first Lundoink of the season. And uh, it was a double one as well, which brings back harsh memories for Emma, but in a positive way this time, because Ed celebrated like a bloody trooper. And if I had the soundbite to hand, we'd be, we, <laughs> we'd be slotting it in because it is absolutely... I'm not gonna lie, it made me chuckle watching Ed Ed's... like as Emma can, pans the camera around. We've actually posted the video onto uh, onto our Twitter at StiffLiftPod. You can actually watch this as Emma pans the camera around to Ed. You can just see him like lost in the moment, just yes out of like I've never known Ed be so raucous. So it's great to see. Yeah, it's I mean, it's still. Like on on the spectrum of Ed, it's still you know, Ed's like raucous, losing his mind is another person's like old man trying to scare crows away from a vegetable patch. <laughs> but, I'm, sure love, I'm sure he'll love you. Saying <laughs> that, <I'm annoying. laughs> yeah, oh. yeah, I okay, I. This is, like, everything about this game was, uh, like, looked and felt like a, a classic Vikings, like, just managed to piss down your leg in the final, like, quarter or something. But they didn't, and there was some very interesting, like, there was some interesting, like, offensive play calling, which obviously wouldn't have, you wouldn't have got under Max Zimmer. The fucking... Penalty, yeah, against, against Matthew, <laughs> Matthew was. I mean, it was obviously wrong. I've never seen a more obviously like wrong, like penalty. Partially because I don't know enough to, you know, make that judgment with most penalties. The only other one that came to mind was um, the Lions versus the Packers one. Trade fouls against David Bakhtiari. But at least in that one, David Bakhtiari did have his head like fully back, even though it was like in his neck or his chest. Yeah. It was quite yeah, like, And yeah, then obviously that, was... that went from a four. That was on a third and ten, wasn't it? That penalty. Yeah. Well, that that, like, I think and they they hit the downfield. They hit Ooh. the downfield pi right, which which was a definitely a, a pi. I thought. Yeah, yeah. I think without the the Theo <laughs> penalty, the Saints would have like kept this under wraps. I don't know. I don't think it was an unfair result. 
I think the, the Vikings are the better team, but they did have a few like, like they had a few drops. Like Justin Jefferson had one in the end zone. Kirk Cousins, you re- you know my theory that I exposed in my last in our last episode about Kirk Cousins needing a big roast dinner to really get going. Oh yeah, it came to play again yeah. though. Well, when you think about two thirty, is a little bit early for a big Sunday, a pro- big proper Sunday dinner. Two thirty, you get back from church, obviously at twelve thirty. Um, you've not got two hours. That's not enough to make a big roast, is it? So, Kirk at halftime at his roast, and uh, we sprang into action in the second half. Um, but he, it was looking like a classic throw the ball, Kirk fuck game, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there were a couple of instances where Jefferson wanted the ball out about five seconds earlier at times. It felt like. Yeah, Osborne as well looked less than happy with some of them but I mean yeah they did have a few drops too so it, it was a team effort to, to make it as close as it was and they needed a a fake punt at one point as well which is really it was really well executed but yeah it was a, it was kind of a sign of how the offense was performing at that time but they, they did just enough and I don't you know it's too back to back 60 yarders is a little bit of a tough ask <laughs> yeah. of anybody so is... I don't think it was necessarily the in any sense, unfair that the Vikings won. That's fair. Yeah, it is fair. From a Saints perspective, um, obviously now Jameis Winston, because of the uh, thing that was mentioned last week about him him having four different fractures in his back, um, (laughs) he obviously sat out. Andy Dalton played the Red Rifle, and I'd say we got the very peak of Andy Dalton play in the sense no. of when no, you say you mean, do you mean <laughs> yeah or most Dalton <laughs> I mean the most Dalton that okay. we could have seen because before the high-end talent of the Saints around him started playing well Andy Dalton looked just about uh, as shit as he yeah. could have possibly been it reminded me of the 2019 Bengals how bad Andy Dalton was and then all of a sudden you got a, a big catch out of Marquez Callaway. You got a nice grab by Chris Olave as well. Um, some nice plays by Adam Troutman. Latavius Murray, who was just signed off the practice squad to fill in for Alvin Kamara. He had a nice play. Taysom Hill ran one in for a touchdown, which probably pissed Ed off to no, uh, to no end. And all of a sudden Andy Dalton started looking like the sort of 2014-2015 Andy Dalton where... You could actually make these throws. I don't know. He just he plays as well or as bad as the talent around him is playing at every yeah, single it's... game that he has ever played. It's not even like he he's not bad enough to be responsible for any team loss, but he's never good enough to be responsible for a team win either. Yeah. Uh, well, he's like he's like the head of like a megazord. Like, if you have a giant gun or, like, a katana for an arm, great, you're rolling. But if you've got, like, a playable mallet or, like, one of those guns that pops out a, like, a flag that says bang, then... That's that's giving him too much credit. He's not the head of the Megazord, he's the foot of a Mr. Potato. <laughs> <laughs> Oh god! I mean, yeah. I've never looked at a Mr. Potato and felt that the rest of <laughs> the rest of the attachments are not like pulling their weight in regard to his like 
No, the head, the head. Obviously, the main part is the potato, which it represents the tea. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't, if you, if you just got Dalton's the foot, like if you got a good potato. So the original, like the origin of Mr. Potato Head was, it was basically like just a thing you slammed a potato on so that it would stay the hell still and it would stop rolling away from you. That's kind of what Andy Dalton does. Oh. I don't understand your comedic. Re- I'm totally right, and <laughs> right, the, right. The potato is the tea. Yeah, and the, the, the little like feet with the spikes stop that... the potato from rolling away. And then you can put it plastic. You can put it in the microwave, and you don't have to spend forty minutes baking a potato. Is that genuinely like how Mr. Potato Head came about? I think so. I always thought of it as just a Toy Story thing, if I'm being honest. It never occurred to me that the potato bit in Mr. Potato uh, could ever have been an actual potato. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus Christ. Shut the hell up! (laughs) (laughs) That is a certified shut the hell up moment right there. Alright. We now turn... Our attention to the early, but not as early as the London game slate of Sunday games. I'm going to need to start coming up with a better way of saying that. Where the Bills came from behind against the Baltimore Ravens. Sneakily, the Ravens have thrown away uh, more leads than anyone bar, I think it was the 2004... Falcons and the 2017 Chargers, and that is the. Is that just by this point in the season? No, that is this season apparently, as a whole, compared to all of their seasons as a whole. They've thrown away. It's actually, it's a little, it's a little bit concerning for the Baltimore Ravens, who. I mean, they were up by fourteen to three over the first quarter. It was twenty. It was twenty to three at one point. And all of a sudden, the Bills get twenty three unanswered points. And considering that the Ravens, their their whole criticism in Lamar Jackson's like MVP season was, oh, they can run the ball. Once they're ahead, they're perfectly fine. But when you're playing from behind, how are they gonna do? And they weren't very good at it. All of a sudden, it's the reverse. They okay, they can't get... hold, they can't run out a lead. It's a perfectly justifiable point, and I agree with it. But the uh-huh. two offenses that they like let come back from like you know three scores down are probably two of the most high powered offenses in the league. Oh yeah, no question. Yeah, but at the same a, time, you do have to actually it. shut it down. Well, without without Wing Martindale, what are you meant to do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it was I I thoroughly enjoyed it just because I enjoy watching Bills. I mean, I enjoy watching the Ravens too, but the it was kind of a win-win for me personally. But I, I like the the oh, end, the end of, yeah the end of your point there was just a shrug of the shoulders and a tilt of the head. That's not going to convey itself on a podcast medium. Uh-huh. What are we doing? Silent film? We're going to get fucking Charlie Chaplin out here to do a fucking segment next. I you know what? I am the Charlie Chaplin of this medium. 
I think you'd suit a toothbrush moustache. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, Wait, Siri's just looked for a toothbrush moustache. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. In 1985, Mr. Potato Head received four postal votes in the run for mayor of Boise, Idaho. <laughs> in the open quotation, most votes for Mr. Potato Head in a political campaign, close quotation, as verified by Guinness World Records. <laughs> Sorry, I just realised, you know that famous Charlie Chaplin scene where he's got the forks with the potatoes and he's doing like the little leg thing? Yeah. Is that the inspiration for Mr. Potato Head? Hey, this is multi-tiered oh, no, right here. That's Mr. Potato Foot. Why are we doing this now when there's an actual good game to talk know. about and not a shit one like Titan's Colts? It's because okay. nothing really, nothing really that shot. I mean, the game itself was good, but there's when we talk about these, we tend to talk more about the narratives rather than the actual mechanics of the game. Like, oh, did you see that catch? He really, it was a hands catch. I'd like to see him use his body a bit more. <laughs> and uh, the, there wasn't really any narratives really written in this game. The, the Ravens are sort of, until they get their run game figured out, they're going to keep bottling it. The Bills go through stretches where they look a little bit shaky, but they're typically come out with a, a fairly well-rounded performance. And if you consider these two teams to be the potatoes, these two teams might be the most... <laughs> if you consider the quarterbacks to be the forks in the potatoes. <laughs> now, audio format, I'm going to do the Charlie Chaplin like leg potatoes. <laughs> these are the two potatoes that most rely on the forks of their quarterbacks to locomote them along. You know, these two teams really, really rely heavily on their quarterbacks. That's why they're two of the MVP favourites. Right. Uh, I I agree with that. Um, <laughs> it's a perfect analogy. Here, I've got a narrative that will bleed into Monday Night Football. The revenge of the fullback. Reggie Gillum and Patrick Ricard were, were actual important pieces of the team's offence at various points in this game. They have been all season. Monday Night Football also had the return of the fullback with Kyle Juszczyk playing his lights out. I want more fullbacks in the NFL. Give me more fullbacks. There's never been one time where a fullback has had, like, you know, moderate, significant involvement in a game and it wasn't elevated for it. Exactly. They elevate the medium of the sport. When... When a team's running offense is bad, you can usually look at the offensive line, but when a team's running offense is good, sometimes it's all on the fullback, baby. It's just the logical conclusion of like this sport. <laughs> big men helmet big men helmet smash, find the biggest man with the biggest helmet. Not Isn't even that sometimes the, the biggest man prologue. It's the logical prologue of the sport that we have today, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it comes full circle. Full want... back circle. Oh, dreadful. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Christ alive. So, yeah, I thought I'd throw in a little narrative that I've not heard anyone talk about so far this year. The full back. Comeback 2023. Okay. Just to come back to this original, you know of discussion. Can someone smarter than me tell me why the Ravens keep doing this? What, the Ravens keep blowing leads? Yeah. Um, yeah, Max, I think that you had a, a specific <laughs> point 
about why the Ravens keep blowing leads, and it's something to do with uh, the Ravens' actual running game is a, is a bit of a mess outside of Lamar Jackson. Is it just the running, like, defensively? Like, there just seems... Well, they've been hurt quite a lot, to be fair. They... But this game, they win. They were back to quite a lot of their full strength. They got like Marcus Williams, Marlon Humphrey playing in this game. Adafi Owe played all right. They just, they just didn't quite have the pop defensively. And again, their running game outside of Jackson. Once you figure out that you can key like key in on Lamar Jackson a little bit, the running game almost dies with him. And I know that J.K. Dobbins had a good game. He went thirteen carries, forty-one yards, and a touchdown. People were overhyping it as him being like, oh my god, he's going to be incredible this game because he had such a good first half. But then he was completely shut out the rest of the game. Um, I don't have the exact stats for it to back it up, but I I know what I saw. The eye (laughs) test was not passed in the second half. And I I do think it is just as as a direct result of, I just think that teams figured out how to deal with the Ravens' running game a little bit more. They struggled to get the ball moving quite a lot against the Dolphins outside of, like, massive splash plays to, like, Bateman, Duvernay, and obviously Lamar Jackson playing like an absolute stud. So, yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I am somewhat smart in this sense. I'm just going to try and help answer your question. I feel enlightened. I'm glad that you feel enlightened. Samson also apparently felt enlightened, um, hence why he, he, he just started wooing behind me. Shall we move on? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, we're going to go to the Jacksonville Jaguars, who Ooh. took the L, but they almost caused a little bit of an upset after the first quarter, but then the Eagles came back and remain the last undefeated team of the season so far. We're only in week four and we're already almost almost out of undefeated teams. But the Eagles had to show their might um, and boy how they did they. Again, in the running game mostly, Miles Sanders with 27 carries, 134 yards and two tunnies. He's having such a great season. He is. And Jalen Hurts obviously also had a touchdown. Kenneth Gainwell too. Uh, AJ Brown probably should have had a pass, uh, receiving touchdown but they marked him just short. But even still... The Eagles scored more than enough points, um, but this Jags defense, it it came to play a little bit. Andre Cisco had a pick six in the first quarter that had people thinking, "Oh, is there going to be something a little bit frisky happening over at the link?" But apparently, it all fell apart and fell by the wayside. Yeah, first two scores for Jacksonville were basically like Immies. A little and, bit. <laughs> I mean, it, it's you know, it's evident of the the like style of football that they play that Philly just like dragged their way back up from the gutter. But it's you know, it's a it's a good time to be a Jags fan if you are. And who'd have thought that Trevor Lawrence can be vaguely competent, perhaps? <laughs> It was. He did, have five, he did have five turnovers. Yeah, this game was probably <laughs> the least. 
I think that this game was probably the least convincing that Lawrence has played so far this season, but I think that this is also like the best defense that the Jags have played this year as well. Yeah. So, because the Eagles' defense is legit, they're a well-coached unit. They're playing really well. I'm not going to hold this on Trevor Lawrence, but going 11 of 23 with 174 yards and five turnovers, as Max said, like it's not great. Like. It annoys me when turnovers is used as a metric for quarterbacks. Obviously, they should keep hold of the ball. But I just care about interceptions, man. Uh, A fumble, like, you know, what are you going to do? Average Daniel Jones enjoyer. Big, big, Big man want ball, punch hand, take ball. Like, if if your big man lets big man get through... Oops. What are you gonna do? I I I firmly disagree in the sense that fumbles are less likely on the quarterback than interceptions. Mainly just purely because at least with interceptions they're trying to make a play, they're trying to throw the ball deep. Or sometimes sometimes there are dreadful decisions made, but at least Sometimes with your interceptions, they're just trying to make a play downfield. The, the receiver might botch it, but the fumble is entirely it is it is the quarterback who Unless. makes that mistake. There is no. It's like it's like a goalkeeper spooning the ball into his own net. <laughs> There's no one to blame yeah, other like, than him. If it's if it's from a snap, sure, or like a fumble on a handoff, sure. But- Otherwise, like... Or if he holds on to it for too long and takes a sack that way, like Matt Ryan does all the time, sure. If, look, taking a sack and keeping hold of a regulation NFL football seems very hard. <laughs> yeah. But some people are better at doing it than, than, than uh, others. Maybe. I don't know why this is a hill I've decided to... <laughs> <laughs> It's, yeah, because I think... the, it's because the moment that you have to start justifying or you have to stop justifying fumbles is the moment that Daniel Jones's career to you turns out looking like utter shit. It doesn't matter what he does. <laughs> it's it's the thing. It's the only thing that you've got left for Daniel Jones. My future Super Bowl rings are turning to ash in my hands. <laughs> oh, dear. What were we ever going to say, Max? I was gonna say this game's just about the the difference between a team who are like people are like please like you know the Jags is a team people are like you know they're happy for them to be good they're very keen for them to be good and and they like expel like expel <laughs> like expanding the idea that oh I I knew this Jags team would be good and obviously we all love jumping on Urban Meyer's grave but. I think ultimately this was a game where it was like, okay, they're not there. They're not there at the top, top end of competitors just yet. Obviously the Eagles are right maybe at the top of that, but it was a bit of a reality check, I think. I mean, it's a good job they're in the South. That's all you need, baby. Yeah, you don't actually need to be good as long as you're in the South, right? Yeah, I'll I'll remind us all that I picked them to go to the playoffs. Who are the Jags? Yeah. Uh, in fairness, it's starting to age a little bit, a little bit nicer than than some of the other takes that have happened. Uh, um, all 
all of my takes are, are very simple, but they often, you know, they, they get there eventually. It's like aging like a Dairy Lee Triangle, <laughs> like a cave in southern France. Right. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to that. You put your head in your hands. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> let's go to um. Let's let's swing this over to the Packers game, shall we? Where the Patriots uh, were immediately sent to using Bailey Zappi because Brian Hoyer picked up an injury in the first quarter, and the rookie didn't actually play half bad. Um, but the Packers still came out on top. Max, you were the one that probably paid the most attention to this. Do you want to take the lead on this? Because uh, I... Yeah, I can't imagine you were glued to this one. No. <laughs> I, I must admit, I booted up FIFA for this late window and just watched everything <laughs> out the corner of my eye because this was a bad window for a large part of it. It ended up with... Um, ended up obviously going to overtime. It's quite a close game. And I think... I kind of think when Brian Hoyer went out, by the way, that was two more players who went out with a concussion in the first quarter of this game in short order. Brian Hoyer and Adrian Amos both went out. Um, they brought Zappi in, and he was like, he'd never taken a snap other than in the shotgun in college, and it was this. And basically, Johnny Smith got hurt as well. And from that point on, the Patriots were just like, ah, oh, crap, we've got one quarterback and one tight end. We've not got too much in the way of receiving options. Let's just put Marcus Cannon, who is absolutely massive let's just put him in as a six offensive lineman and just run like every single snap and funnily enough that's actually what they do best and it's what the Packers struggle with most so it wasn't quite addition by subtraction but in a way having to strip their offensive backs to just like bully ball kind of help them keep it close and the Packers were like god awful in the first half the offense was terrible um they must have been reading about how Aaron Rodgers was averaging like 2.9 air yards per attempt or something preposterous going into this game. Because they tried airing it out about six times in a row in the first half. So you almost no effect. Um, looked totally out of rhythm. Rodgers got caught trying to force one in, threw a pick six, which obviously doesn't happen too much. But yeah, Jack Jones, who's the Patriots rookie, I think fourth round defensive back, had that pick six and a fumble recovery in this game. He's got... Um, He's got great technique. I think he's the kind of player who's going to be involved in a lot of turnovers. Maybe like a he's a cornerback, I think, but maybe like an Eddie Jackson type, where he's just in and around, in and around the ball at all times. Rarely in, but often around. Um, <laughs> so yeah, there were highlights for the the Patriots in that sense, but I think ultimately the Packers did get into a bit more rhythm in the second half. Yeah, I mean, they scored four times, only punted twice. Um, they can't play well for two halves in a row, but you know, <laughs> and against the opposition they faced, one half has been enough. Um, Alan Lazard went over 100 yards in this game, which was good. Romeo Dobbs had like, um, he had a fumble in the first half, which was really more in Rogers throwing an inaccurate ball. Dobbs had to one hand it, got it under control quite impressively, but then because it was just in the one hand, it was easy to force out. And he also had a, a deep bomb to the end zone. Um, which just about didn't survive the, the catch. It uh, didn't survive the ground. It was very close to a catch, but it clearly wasn't. Matt LaFleur wasted the time out challenging it for no reason. Even though the guy that he pays to advise him on challenges told him not to, he did it anyway. <laughs> and, um, well, you know, the Patriots were uh, ended up being able to run the clock down to about eight seconds left, whereas 
if we kept that time out, the, the Packers would have had the ball at midfield with about 45 seconds left, just needing a field goal to win. So that was a bad job by him, but he got away with it. And you could see it on his face when he took his headset off at the end of the game. <laughs> really got away with one. Um, but I think it, it's kind of coming together for the Packers a little bit, baby steps, but it was not, it was not a pretty win and, and they're not playing flashy football at the moment. But in the NFC, that 3-1, and one, you can't complain. Yeah, it was a it was a game that they very easily could have let slip through their fingers, and you know, just enough is still enough. I mean, yeah, they could have let it slip through their fingers, but it it should be noted that the the refs did give the Patriots a completely free touchdown on an absurd play where the play clock hit zero, and then I think about two point six seconds later they get the snap off. Yeah. and score a touchdown, which was quite insane that it was not reviewable as well. It made me laugh, actually, because later on in the game, after the Romeo dubs, like, not a catch, but almost was a catch, Bill Belichick was furious because they, the referees were letting the... Well, they weren't letting the play clock start again, even though they probably should have done. And I, I did mm. just sort of think to myself... Shut the fuck up, Bill. You, just, <laughs> you you got a whole free seven points out of your play clock conundrum. Don't 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 you go whinging to the refs, you piece of shit. Yeah, it was. He was hot about it, but I mean, yeah, they they that was that was egregious. That might have been one of the worst I can remember seeing, if not the worst. And the fact they led to a touchdown. I mean, the Packers forgot to cover, but you know. <laughs> To be fair, you can yeah. only cover for the forty seconds of the play clock and two and a half seconds afterwards. You can't. <laughs> oh right, yeah. no more. <laughs> it's like a Madden glitch play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is Brian Hoyer like actually in concussion protocol? I mean, I'd assume so. If you get concussed, you usually end up in concussion protocol. Like, but like, was it was it a, confi- was it a confirmed concussion? Though? Yeah. Well, he left the game, okay. so yeah, I guess it was. <laughs> So I don't know. But I, there's no news on whether he's going to be back. But man, he got absolutely fucking eaten by Rashan Gary on that play as well. Yeah, um, Gary was feasting. By the way, oh, in this game, it wasn't he was. Hit, he, he has got five sacks through four games, and he is looking like you know first round pick in 2019. When he came out, there was you know he was raw, and it took him a, a few years of not too much. But he's he's starting to look like he really is like a, a real weapon the team are going to have to start playing a lot closer to attention. I, yeah. I'd like to see, you know that those charts that are like double team win percentage? Yeah. i quite like to see what Rashawn Gary's double team percentage is because I can't imagine they're double teaming. I guess you've got double team Kenny Clark, but not Preston Smith on the other end. So yeah. that's nice to see. With, um, with the Rashawn Gary thing, I just have to bring it up because like you say, I mean, he, he's he's got five sacks through four games. This, this is going to be the sort of thing that I wish that I'd caught a screenshot of it when the Madden ratings came out and we were sort of like discussing it and the edge rushers came out and I think it was Emma who said who was who was adamant that Rashad and Gary being in the top 10 was was so perplexing because she was like who is Rashad Gary <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid I'm afraid Emma He's um and an L real... and L has to be handed out. Unfortunately, I'm so sorry. He's kind of like he's kind of reminded of Kenny Clark. How Kenny Clark took a, a few years, but slowly became like actually quite an elite talent. But because he never really, you know, teams have to be really careful around him. But because it took him a slow start, he's not 
wasn't a star instantly. So yeah, yeah. Some 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 players never end up getting that sort of respect because of like a couple seasons. Whereas some players will just get like all the respect in the world off of their like rookie season onwards. So it would be a, it would be a significant snub if he didn't make the pro boy. I think this year. Yeah, which I but I think it'd day. be very difficult for him to. If he carries on the rate of of how he's been doing things, I mean, you kind of can't leave him out of the Pro Bowl. But, you know, whatever. Uh, anything else, Max? Nope. Anything from you, Sam? <laughs> Mate, well, Mason, Mason Crosby made a game-winning kick. That was refreshing. <laughs> nice. Uh, all right. Let's, uh, let's move on to uh, the New York Jets getting their second win of the season. They've played all four AFC North teams, by the way. I don't know if anyone's been tracking that. All four of them in the first half, uh, first four games of the season. Um, they end up getting the win here 24-20. to 20. Uh, Not going to lie, the main story that I want to talk about is, uh, is quarterback change happened in this game about midway through it. And that is because Mitchell Trubisky, the era... Zach Wilson got replaced by an identical (laughs) but much better player. Well, yeah, that too, because he... I can't remember what his first half stats were. I think he was something like... um, I think through the first three quarters, he'd had 12 completions off of 26 attempts and then um, ended up with like a 6-10 fourth quarter with a touchdown which is nice he had a he had a receiving touchdown as well on what's unfortunately been nicknamed the gritty special which i that's horrible yeah (laughs) might be the worst thing about that touchdown and and i'm a steelers fan um or other than that it was thrown by sneaky athletic white guy braxton barrios um but but go on go on but uh the the main change that I was thinking about is that Kenny Pickett came in, the twentieth overall pick from this year. We'd been sort of waiting to see, and uh, after the Boo Birds were out, quite rightfully, yeah. by the way, uh, at Mitchell Trubisky having another just turgid, dreadful performance for the first half, where. It it probably looks a lot better on the box score if Deontay Johnson can make the catch at the back corner of the end zone. Um, a very tight call, but one that I think that the officials got right. But uh, one of those where, depending on what you get, they'll overturn it. Uh, they won't overturn it either way. Unfortunately, it was called a non-touchdown. So uh, that looks worse on Mitchell Trubisky. But in the end, Kenny Pickett comes in. And uh, Mike Tomlin was quoted when Pickett came in saying that he wanted the offense to get a spark and the Steelers turned around from a 10-6 to deficit uh, to a 22-10 lead, um, which was all right. Um, couple things about this one is me and Max completely disagree about Kenny Pickett's first interception um, being... What, his first? Yeah, the first pass that he throws is being picked <laughs> off. Where he sort of that was he puts amazing. he puts the ball in the hands of Chase Claypool, and then Claypool, who's the only six foot four guy that I've ever seen play like he's five foot six, gets out jumped and deflected away by a five foot eight safety, and uh, the ball gets picked off. And me and Max completely disagree, but 
If it's you, not, say, you say it hit Claypool in the hands, like it, the ball wasn't in the air for like four seconds. It did hit him in the hands. Places it, it, would have real it, it did hit him in the hands. I don't know. Yeah, but it was so long in the in the air. He had a radius of about twenty five meters. He could have put it in, and Claypool would have been able to make it. Yeah, and and somehow he put it in one of those radii, and Chase Claypool didn't make the catch, <laughs> which he never does. Also, that is the correct term. I'm not having it, Sam. How can I just gauge? Well, he didn't put it in the right radius. <laughs> is, is, is. That's what Sam wants you to say. Yeah, I, I just wanted to. I would have paid money to have been sat next to you and watch your face as like firstly you realize that Kenny Pickett's first throw was like a bomb downfield and as it traveled through the air and kept on traveling through the air and then traveled some more and then eventually started to like turn downwards towards the earth again as you realized that it was I mean, I feel like you guys are thinking that this pass had, like, a hang time. It, it felt like... it. I will admit that it felt like it had the hang time of a sort of deep arm punt, but it, it really didn't. It was in the air for, like, three seconds. It wasn't, it wasn't anywhere near as long as it actually felt. I think that it was more the anticipation of what had, what had transpired. Or what oh, could transpire say, made it take longer. We were, we were all so nervous. No, I was thinking. No, I'm not saying that you were nervous. I'm saying the that it. No, was so much that we were all like. <laughs> well, if you hear that a rookie's thrown his first pass and you see the pass and it's literally like he's taken a well, deep bomb, that you are going to think of yourself as thinking, all right. The, what's going to happen at the end of this pass and it can take yeah. longer it and took way longer the... for me than it probably did for you guys but it also only took about three seconds between it leaving his hand and well, that's, hitting that's... Claypool in the hands and then bouncing up in the air for a pick that's the beauty of this pass though because <laughs> I could have had a like push notification on my phone that said Kenny Pickett's first pass a deep bomb and I would have had time to boot up my Xbox Get onto Game Pass. Get onto the game. Were you not and then watching? I still would have seen the reception. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure. I'm sure he might improve. I mean, we're saying like he. I'm not gonna. No, I'm not gonna say that, mate. Come on. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not even. I. That is poor. Are you sure? He did I will no, I will say I will say you know, one... you know what's poor? Thirty percent of your fucking like throws being picked. Well it's actually less than thirty percent. Yeah, that's probably like twenty five percent. It's like twenty seven point seven. Do you know what do you know what percentage of throws? Oh, oh, oh. I don't I don't know. Give him... I actually no, Give I genuinely fucking Super Bowl MVP. Since we Sam what are you on about? It's. I'm just saying it wasn't a great start. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not I, being... don't think it, I don't think it was that bad. I mean, it wasn't a bad. It was a bad. which is considered a, a pot, like a party foul well, in the NFL. Can I? Can I just <laughs> quickly? Really, his fault. Yeah. Can I just quickly say that if one of your interceptions is a hail mary at the end of the game, yeah. it's not really an interception, is it? Come on. 
But he went. He well, went ten for. I mean, we'll 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 functionally we'll call it ten for thirteen with three picks <laughs> because that's what happened. But realistically, he went ten for twelve with a hail mary right at the end that got picked off. But the hail mary is a play that is literally named the hail mary because you basically pray to the gods for it a to Catholic be God. yeah to come down in your favor. Like yeah. that's just a, that is like... just a thing. But yeah. But if we if we're talking about it here, he had a hundred twenty yards on ten completions, with just twelve attempts. I'd I'd say that he had a pretty decent game considering that he didn't actually have any time with any of the starters until he got put into the game. He didn't take any first team reps. He wasn't told that he was going to be starting at halftime. Tomlin basically told him at halftime. You're going in, and he went wow. ten. He went ten of twelve, basically, ten of thirteen with a, with a fucking hail mary. But ten of twelve on normal passes. One of them he tries throwing out of bounds. That is a bad interception, but it's a rookie mistake. It's a rookie error. He tried throwing it out of bounds. He didn't throw it high enough. That's one for him to make a mental note of, as all good as all rookie quarterbacks should learn from. Frymouth. Tried to make a play on the ball, it bounces down. But the, as far as I'm concerned, I wouldn't say that Kenny Pickett played poorly at all. I think he was no. I think you. I mean, the thing that struck me was it's very unlike the Steelers to put a rookie in mid-game. That was kind of a weird move to me. Um, but what it means is really that if we sat here and and debated about this for hours it, it would basically be a complete and total waste of time because he was just sitting there and was like just just do what you can like yeah. we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll throw you to the walls in the next month but just do what you can for now yeah it was literally Mitchell Trubisky cannot move the ball let's try and get a little bit of a spark and you can't say that he didn't provide a spark to the team but no, he scored like 14 he... unanswered points including two Russian touchdowns one of which came off of it came directly after an absolutely, like, just beautiful play for a rookie to make where he's about to get absolutely socked by, I can't remember who it is on the Jets that just came through the, the O-line. I don't know who it was. Um, trying to think of which of the names it was, but I genuinely can't I can't see which one. Um, he has Fryermuth open, and we actually saw him make this exact sort of play against the Jags in preseason, which is the only tape that we have, where he's about to get absolutely popped, and all of a sudden the ball comes out of his hands, and it's an absolutely like perfectly weighted pass into the path of Fryermuth over the middle of the field. Those are the sorts of plays that, if you're going to get a rookie in his first first quarter of NFL action, you do want him to be able to make those sorts of throws with at least accuracy as well. He didn't really overthrow anyone in this game, other than the Hail he Mary. He overthrow Claypool. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't even overthrow him. <laughs> Claypool jumped in the air. Yeah, but he shouldn't have had to. He should have but Chase, out. He Chase Claypool always line. jumps in the air. You watch yeah, any... Like, you watch... As, as somebody that's watched in the no, as somebody that's watched Chase Claypool since his rookie season, I can name you about five passes where Claypool ju- didn't jump in the air, even when it wasn't necessary. Even when the pass was low, he'd jump in the air and dive sideways. 
I've got nothing else on this one. Should we move on? Because we have been recorded for like an hour. <laughs> yeah, please, for the love of Christ, let's let's move on. But the news as well is that Kenny Pickett is starting next week against Buffalo as well. Um, so there you go. It oh, wasn't Buffalo. it wasn't just a, a one half thing and then Trubisky, which I think would have been even weirder to be honest. Before we move off, just so we say at least one word about the Jets. Yeah, oh. I said that. I said that Jack Wilson. We started with the Jets. Did we? Yeah, I started with how Zach Wilson like had a really good fourth quarter. All right, I was I was laughing too much at your rabid defense of Kenny Pickett that oxygen must have been deprived to my brain. I mean, there's no surprises there. Oh, oh, hey! All right, let's let's move on. Oh fuck! I I didn't pull up the notes a second. Hang on, there we go. All right, all right. Broncos 23, Raiders 32. Uh, this was another game that made me want to turn on FIFA, but then it actually got all right as the game progressed. Um, the Raiders ended up basically taking the lead and never looking back. The Broncos, their biggest worry is that Javante Williams actually torn his, uh, tore his ACL, but he also um, has an LCL injury and... What was the other one? He had like three like major injuries, including the good. torn ACL. It's it's really bad. Um Ooh. Not great. Yeah, this game I don't know if you guys wanna start thinking about one point in some of these games. Um Oh yeah, this is point- this is the start of like let's all make one point if we can. Okay, um, my one point from this game would be um, that Josh Jacobs played really well. Um, the Broncos have never... The Broncos have always had like an assumed good defence in the last few years, but they've never really actually been that good. Um, and I think that this is kind of an extension of that. They don't have that good a front. And yeah, if, if, if they can get... Josh Jacobs running and, and they, that takes a lot of pressure off Derek Carr and off the offensive line so that'll be a key to their success offensively moving forward. So when you start over the three, you're going to be behind the eight ball so they need to, to pick up. That's my point. Nice. Sam? Um, I mean, I was you know, I'm, I'm pleased that the Raiders have you know, finally got on in the tank. The, the O-line seemed a lot more stable this game I think they were I feel like they've tried to like chop and change their line the first couple of games of this season but this seemed a bit more stout than it has been the first three games Um, but I mean if they would have lost this and they were at 0-4 going into Arrowhead next week then that would have been like absolute you know, end of the world stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. breaking case of emergency, like nightmare. But I mean, it going in at one and <laughs> one and three <laughs> doesn't feel too great. But you know, it's it's good for the division. Is it is it all that great for the division? Um, my, I don't know what you mean. Good for the division. Yeah. <laughs> Other than the rest of the division have seen that the Raiders can beat the Broncos and so so can they. 
Maybe. I, I think <clears throat> I think the Raiders are a team that there's enough like good, talented players on there that when the Raiders are performing well, it's just more enjoyable. Okay, my my point <laughs> is <laughs> you're quite uh, right. Yeah, uh, Devontae Adams had a quite um, similar sort of day to what we would have more expected out of Devontae Adams as opposed to what he's been for the first three weeks. He's been really quiet so far this year, but nine catches for 101 yards, that's it's better. It's much better. Um, no touchdowns, though, from Derek Carr at all, passing-wise. <laughs> so just wanted to like, keep your eye out on. Um, well, I mean, Josh Josh Jacobs did look like a lot better than he has mm-hmm. last couple of weeks. So, I mean, you know, if you need to lean on him, then great. I think I think Carr and Adams will figure it out. Yeah, agreed. Okay, um, moving on, we go to a high-scoring game that may ultimately lead to absolutely nothing at the end of the season (laughs) because the Detroit Lions and the Seattle Seahawks played out the first score Igame of the season, Igame. Um, 48-45. I'm going to make my point now um, and it's a statistical point, which is that Geno Smith has the highest completion percentage through the first four games of an NFL season in history with 77% completion percentage, <laughs> which is absolutely ludicrous, if I'm being honest. And do you know what? He actually he played really well outside of his completion percentage as well. He... For the first few weeks of this season, I've actually been really critical of Gino because he has, like, one really good quarter and three appalling quarters. Like, dreadful. Davis Mills current day dreadful. (laughs) But this game... Fourth quarter, Davis Mills dreadful. Yeah, but this game, he, he had some... Really good, not only passes and um, reads while the play is actually in motion, but he had some great at-the-line reads as well. There was one play where uh, I think it's like a third and 16, and the Lions are playing, um, I think they're playing a cover one, and Gino sees this cover one and thinks, you know what, we're going to, we're gonna instead of passing here, we're going to go for a running play. And he audibles out of it, they pick up... Big gain. I think it was like 28 yards. So, as far as I'm concerned, Geno Smith didn't just play well in a passing accuracy sense, which is already bizarre in the in the first place, but he actually had a really good game as a um, as a chains mover as well. Fair play, Geno. Yeah, my one point from this game is like, okay, um, it was all cute when we were talking about the Lions and like, oh, they're, they're going to be good and they are definitely better than last year, but I don't think... I think they're... I, I think you would probably have to characterise their starts this year as a disappointment, yeah. maybe. Um, like, okay, Dan Campbell's like an hour and... You know, they they to put up 45 points even without... without Amon Ross St. Brown and without um, Dondre Swift is very promising stuff, but they kind of play in the personality of Dan Campbell where they're just like balls to the wall, just like... 
but it, it doesn't really work on on defense. And to me, it's like it's time to show me something because going six and eleven is an improvement, but it, it's a disappointment compared to what they were expecting. So show me something, please. I beg you, Sam. Um, you can I'll... abdicate your point, by the way. <laughs> um, I will firstly. I didn't click on it because I didn't want it to infect my mind. Uh, but on the front page of the Athletic NFL, um, like reporting today, it was an article that said 2022 NFL MVP. Why not Gino? Oh my oh god! My god. <laughs> I like um, the Athletic, but that is that is bad. Go go seek it out if you're a glutton for punishment. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean he he's he's played a lot better than I think he has any right to. Uh, but this this Lions defense just makes me feel bad. Do something, do anything with any level of consistency that can give anyone uh, like. Uh, a grain of hope that this won't be like another lost season because the offense can only do so much all right nice um next game the chicago bears who are two and two on the season were beaten by the three and one new york football giants oh, um you could see that Coming a mile off, and as far as I'm concerned, you 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 roll with it, Sam. You roll with it. Um, was, I, I, I actually, if... I genuinely don't have a point, by the way, for this game, so I'm out. But yeah. I, I don't know if my mic caught Hannah yelling, "Shut the fuck up!" <laughs> down, the, <laughs> down the stairs, but just in case it didn't. Oh, she just wants me to stop doing it, which. I can if the Giants start losing, but you know, um, can you stand them? I am, I am, but a, a ship on the sea of fate. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, this was a very strange game to watch. There was like 170 combined passing yards, or 180 maybe, um, like very little. Um, the like. Giants managed to shut down the Bears. Okay, like 240 yards combined passing for both teams. Um, but yeah, the, the Giants managed to shut the Bears' run game down quite well. Um, a like Daniel Jones had like 70 yards of passing the whole game. Like the the receiving units, the receiving unit for the Giants is awful. Is one of the worst in the league. We know this. Obviously, the giant staff knows this. So, what? Why not? What else are you gonna do? Um, the, the picture for the Bears, I think, looks bleaker every passing day. Fields <laughs> over the course of like four games, he's completed like thirty passes. Obviously, they're not gonna lean on the passing game much. They did have a great like downfield pass to to Mooney in this game, but I I don't know what you can expect from them. Yeah, I'll go along with that. It's 
hard to have any expectations. Max, do you have anything of note to add, or are we moving straight on? Just to say that even as a notorious Saquon Barkley hater, I've got to give him his juice. He's been playing pretty well this year. Best yeah. he ever has looked. Yeah, the the Giants would be like they would probably be zero and four on the season if they, you know, if Saquon wasn't healthy. Maybe. All right. Um, the Tennessee Titans taking a trip to Indianapolis and coming out victorious, twenty-four to seventeen winners. Oh my god! Must we? <laughs> well, I also don't really have any points really about this other than Colts bad equals just dreadful to watch. They don't even have the pop of Jonathan Taylor working for them right now because he's what's happened. Max, as a Wisconsin Badgers fan, how yeah. concerned are you about Jonathan Taylor's absolutely honking performances this season? Well, he doesn't play for the Wisconsin Badgers, and you wouldn't catch me watching this game with a 25-foot watching game. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Badgers have got plenty of their own problems, thank you very much. No, um, yeah, Derek Henry played really well in this game, didn't he? That, that is going to be basically decide how the Titan season goes. Yes. And we'll make the playoffs whether he can be good or not. Yeah. So they'll be pleased with that. Other than that, very incredibly, insanely milk toast affair. Yeah. Uh, one little piece of news is that um, Shaq Leonard came back for the first time this season and is already potentially missing week five with a concussion. So um, just a real rough start for the Pro Bowler. Uh, so he's going to be missing the Jack uh, Jags game. Of which time, Kantan may end up winning, may end up winning in the Colts match up to one three and one, which is uh, a concern for 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 our podcast team's egos. <laughs> Good lord. Okay. Uh, next game quickly. Let's get out of here. Chargers thirty four, Texans twenty four. Nothing really to know about this one. The better team won. Chargers didn't charger it. Uh, Justin Herbert looked good. Yeah. Okay. That's ended. Um, Damien Pierce had a. Uh, his season's breaking out in the way that Sam Longdon famously hoped it would. Yeah. But, I mean, <laughs> he gained that and he lost Jonathan Taylor, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so he, yeah. he managed to gain Henry and Pierce, but yeah, Taylor's still in the doldrums. But for your fantasy wires, weeks four, five, and six, that's. Uh, that's when Sam's prediction finally starts coming through. So maybe week six, Jonathan Taylor's going to pop off. You never know. Yeah, and you know, a hundred and twenty yards a game. For <laughs> wait, a hundred and let's call it a solid hundred and eighty yards per game with a little room for a little wiggle room. Yeah. yeah. Easy. All Very we easy. need, maybe. All right. Next one, a game that I have even less to say about that one. Uh, <laughs> Panthers 16, Cardinals <laughs> oh, 26. Oh. Let's just move on. Shall we just skip the last Wait, couple? What, what, was, what was Matt Rule's um, record in, team, in games where the other teams got more than 17 points? I don't one, know. 1 and 26? Yeah. Yeah, 1 they and 26. Stink. They stink. They really do stink. And it's a shame because Frankie Louvu had... An, a really, really nice day. Oh, that was yeah, that was uh, gorgeous. Though. Friend of the show, Connor Brosnan, actually demanded that somebody pick him up from our 
like uh, Gridiron Extra League, uh, of which I had to remind him that anytime that anybody tells me to pick up anybody on waiver wire, like how Ed tells me to pick up Alexander Madison every year, <laughs> I, I have actually taken the res- reverse on many occasions and just blacklisted them from ever appearing in my team. So Frankie Louvu will not be joining. Uh, I can't even remember what my team name even is in that league. So yeah, <laughs> that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Sorry, that's Connor. It. I respect it, but now. Uh, all right, let's rush through this final game before Sunday night and Monday night football where the Cowboys won against the Commanders. Cooper Rush is the first <laughs> Cowboy to ever go 4-0 and in his first four starts, which I think is simultaneously really funny. A little bit sad. CD Lamb good. CD <laughs> Lamb good. Castleman's bad. Ron Rivera. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's our angle. The poignancy of this whole situation. Yeah. Am I right in thinking that uh, the uh, Jahan Dotson is going to be out for a couple weeks? Yeah. Which is bad. But they're going to get... The, they're apparently getting Brian Robinson back yeah. for next week. Uh, the guy that got shot before the season started. Crazy. He's a rookie as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's insane. But, I mean, have you seen the videos of him practicing? Yeah, he, he, he looked he ready to go by week wild. one. But he was shot in the leg. Yeah, he got shot in the knee. And apparently the bullet went basically through his knee, but missed every important tendon, ligament, and tissue that was needed to be able to run. So it was literally just recovering from the trauma of getting shot. I need the, like, sniper elite, like, telescopic (laughs) view of that, like, play-by-play. Yeah, I agree. Or maybe one of those, like, you know, the JFK documentaries that for some reason... Also, do the the like broken down X ray vision of JFK getting his brain splattered all over. <laughs> if we have to talk about the commanders anymore, then there might be a similar situation here. Cool. Uh, Sunday night football: the Chiefs forty one, Buccaneers thirty one, in Tampa Bay. Um. The Chiefs are really good at, at offense. The Buccaneers just forgot to run the ball. Just six carries the whole game. Um, it doesn't help me turn it over. Kick or turn. Yeah. And um, as a wise man once said, the Chiefs had a little extra vinegar on their fish and chips in this game. <laughs> <laughs> if the Colts had embarrassed them in a recent Super Bowl, they'd be probably be 4-0 right now. Yeah. I, I, I firmly agree. They've been really good this year. Um just as a whole. I know that I know that they did get that sort of ugly loss in Indianapolis, but at the same time you don't muff a punt. The Colts don't even come close to winning that game, so yes. They they just cruised. Against the good Buccaneers defence as well. Their offense has been slow, but their defence has been um Really, really good this whole season so far, and the Chiefs put up forty-one points on them, like it was nothing as well. Yeah, this this looked like peak 
Mahomes. Not in the bad way that it was Pete Dalton. Yeah. They got... I think it was probably because they actually had a more balanced game as a whole as well. Yeah. Like, they they were able to have Mahomes make these, like, crazy athletic plays, like the one where he stays on his feet on the on the goal line despite spinning away from two potential sacks to make a jump pass that's like a touch pass into the end zone for, uh, I think it was Clyde or... Was that even the one to Jody Fortson in the back corner of the end zone? Like, yeah, just athletic plays, but they had a really good running game as well. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had 92 yards. Isaiah Pacheco, the rookie, had 63. Mahomes himself had 34. Just a really balanced game, and when the Chiefs play balanced football, that's when they end up having their most sort of crazy offensive outputs in the passing game as well. Yeah, the, like... I mean, Pacheco looks like he's very fun to watch, I think. And yeah. Edward Soler had a, a decent game, which he kind of needed, because it, like if there would have been a few more games where it's just completely lackluster still, I think they would have just, like, you know, pressed the little, like secret hatch and like just dropped him out of the bottom of our sent him to the rancor pit yeah yeah i agree on that front put him in the jordan loves mum seat (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to uh, on that note i'm gonna have to once again love you and leave you before monday night football um you did have a point about monday night football shall we move over just so that you can at least get your point in and then dip yeah all right I had a few points on Monday Night Football. I think my, my main point was the Rams' offensive line is, is bad and banged up. Well, that means they can't run the ball. They're averaging less than three yards per carry. And it makes them slightly one-dimensional. I mean, Pop and Higby are the only two players producing on the offense right now. Yeah. And what that means is neither of those players are explosive. Neither of them are that nifty. So they're going to struggle in the red zone. They didn't, they've not had any plays over 20 yards for ages. And, um, yeah, I mean, they can complete as many 15-yard passes to those two as they want, but when Matt Stafford's forcing it in the fourth quarter, he's got four touchdowns, six interceptions. It's kind of, like, like I said, I try not to overreact to the first month of the season, but that could be a concern. We'll see. Anyway, I really do have to go, so I will talk to you later. Love you all. Bye. Yeah, appreciate that, Max. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining. Alright, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off and wrap up here. Uh, Rams did take an L, 24-9, in San Francisco. Um, yeah, this game, this game was uh, just one where the Niners never looked like letting go of the lead. Their defense was stout. Their offensive skill position players were explosive. And Jimmy Garoppolo just played a smart game management game. Uh, Debo Samuel yeah. had a great receiving touchdown in the in the uh, in the fourth quarter that really salted this game away. Where it made the catch and then almost reversed the whole field like it was a punt return, and somehow managed yeah. to squeeze his way through about five different tackles. Um, Bobby Wagner had less tackle success against San Francisco 49ers players 
than he did against the Pitch Invader. So <laughs> maybe you want to rethink that one, Bobby. But uh, yeah, Rams just didn't look like the, the Rams should, as, even defensively. Just really poor. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Jalen Ramsey was nowhere this game. Um, him getting, like, bowled over by Ebo in that, like, catch and run mm-hmm. probably typified his whole game. Um, yeah, I think I think most of, like, what you take away from this game is just how banged up the O-line for the Rams is and yeah. how much that affects, like, everything that they do. Yeah. Like, Obviously, the the defense has been performing fairly well. You know, the the defense only gave up like you know, I think seventeen points. But when the offense is that crippled, it it doesn't matter. Like, I think the I think the starting center is like went out, um, and then. Uh, Right guard was out, and then their left guard was out, and right guard they've got like well, yeah, right guard they've got like a undrafted free agent, but like none of this is like a an, none of these are the ingredients for a good Matthew Stafford season. No, like especially as he, well with the with the injury concerns that you had coming into the year, you kind of yeah. you can't justify him being tied second most sacked while he's also having to try and do everything, because the Rams' whole game is is their passing game right now. They can't run the ball. But yeah. unlike the Chiefs, Mahomes has more mobility, and their O-line is better at, at least pass protection, so you can almost get away with it. Well, you, you, they, get, they did get away with it, but the Rams don't have that luxury, especially against the defensive front that has Nick Bosa, who went off, Samson Ebukamu went off. Um, it was just pressure all game from yeah. all over the Niners. Yeah, when, like when you're pressuring Stafford that much, like he's gonna, like he's always thrown a lot of picks anyway. But and that Talanoa pick was yeah. great, by the way. Like just trying to chuck another screen pass to Cooper Cup, I think, mm-hmm. and just recognize it straight away. But like it when they do have these troubles on the O line, it turns into the most one di- like one dimensional offense in the league. Yeah, like it's just it's nothing but like you know targets to Higby and and Cup. Mm-hmm. Like unless they can get the O line sorted out, there I I think they're gonna end up as you know. Maybe just barely make it into the playoffs. Yeah, if they do. Do you know um, the Rams don't actually they they won't be playing at uh, a time any earlier than the sort of nine o'clock nine twenty five <laughs> window or later, in fact, until the twentieth of November, and that is the only time this season that they'll play at six for us f- from this point forward. Wow. They they will not play a game any time earlier than that like second window of games, which means that with the London well with the international games taking up one of those games, bye weeks will come in. We're gonna have to watch a lot of Rams football, and without an O line, that could be 
very, very crap. <laughs> um, so, yeah. They've got the Cowboys next week. Dak Prescott threatens to be back. We'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, if they yeah. get beaten by Cooper Rush, though. Bad vibes. Incredibly. Yeah. Also, we can probably sign off now, but just as a sneak peek of what delights await you in the coming week of football, uh, I believe that the Giants' starting quarterback against Green Bay will be Davis Webb. Oh, dear God, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I don't know like this wasn't that long a recording but I feel like my brain just immediately like melted it did yeah this has been a this has been a strange one we've we've yeah. not been we've not been all that fluid the last couple of weeks because of my brain being fried both weeks as well yeah. so yeah thank so you everyone the by the way for listening you can check everything out on the stiff uh, Stiff Up Lip Podcast. Check us out at, at Stiff Lip Pod.